Hey everybody, it's Allie and welcome to our Y&R chat for Sunday, June 17th, 2018. Happy Father's Day, Nick! I'm so mad at Victor I could spit fire right now, but I will admit that it is a well-timed story to be telling at Father's Day. Perhaps another well-timed story might be a Who Shot Victor Newman scenario. And then in the end, the answer can be me, Allie, because I'm so mad at Victor right now, I, I think I probably could shoot him. I'm struggling so much to understand where he's coming from and how he can possibly see this custody arrangement with Christian as being a benefit to anyone. I also continue to struggle to understand where Nikki is coming from. Last week, Sharon gave Nikki an ultimatum to convince Victor to back off or else, and Nikki took it very softly. She gingerly tried to ask Victor to call off the lawyers, uh, especially since, I mean, for crying out loud, this, uh, his out-of-the-blue request to gain custody of a grandson that he knew wasn't Nick's months ago, year ago at this point. It, it doesn't make any sense. And I have been, I was hard on Nikki last week, I'm going to continue to be hard on Nikki this week because it feels like Nikki is choosing Victor over Nick in all of this. Of course, I know that she doesn't want anyone in her family to be in pain, but Nick is clearly the one who is in pain here. Nikki seems to believe that by not supporting Victor's ridiculous quest for custody, that she is somehow validating his feelings of abandonment. Like, if she doesn't stand by his bad behavior, then he's going to interpret it as just one more person who's abandoning him. But Victor is a grown man. He's, he should be a fully formed, a mature adult by this point in his life. Why is it not okay to expect him to evolve past the feelings of abandonment that he had as a child? Nick is Nikki's child. I would think that her instinct would be to protect Nick, but she really doesn't do a whole lot to affect Victor one way or the other. She just goes back to Sharon and says, you are going to back off your threats about JT, or so help me, I will drag you down with me. Sharon doesn't usually need a whole lot of help from anyone else getting dragged down. So it's the day of the arbitration hearing, and both sides are there presenting their arguments. Michael is Victor's attorney, and of course, he is a brilliant strategist. We've seen this demonstrated many times over the years, but Brittany was a new element to our legal battle here on the show. And I thought that Brittany's appeal on Nick's behalf as his attorney was 
very heartfelt. I thought she gave an argument that had heart, not just strategy. And it seemed clear to me that no judge in their right mind would want to remove a child from a happy, healthy home that had two parental figures, a mother and a father, had other children in the home full of love, and just hand the child over to a convicted felon who's recovering from a stroke. Surely that would never happen in any universe. I can only imagine that Victor (laughs) felt that way too and sensed that the tide was not going to be turning in his favor. So he tells Michael to take out the big guns and call Sharon to testify. (sighs) Call me crazy. But I thought Sharon did really well. Michael was going deep into her history of mental illness, the times, plural, that she was committed to a psychiatric facility, her arrest record. Michael dragged all of Sharon's skeletons out of the closet, and yet Sharon's response to all of it seemed to me to be so human She said, yeah, I'm a person who has had problems, but I'm working through those problems. I am taking my medication and I'm coming out on the other side of my dark times as stronger. And then Brittany comes in and she counters with um, Sharon's schooling, how she is now pursuing higher education, the fact that she volunteers at a crisis center. Brittany even had letters of recommendation from people who Sharon had worked with. I thought Sharon seemed vindicated. But no, apparently the judge did not think so. The judge says that she is troubled by Sharon's history and doesn't feel comfortable leaving a child in the home where Sharon is, so she awards temporary custody to Victor with only visitation rights to Nick. First of all, how is Sharon's past more troubling than Victor's felony rap sheet? All of the things that are on Victor's rap sheet, he did willingly, knowingly, and not because of a mental illness. And second, if Sharon's the problem in all of this, then why did the judge not offer Nick an opportunity to adjust his living situation? Just... Tell him that you're not going to award him custody with Sharon in the picture. You can have your son, but your ex-wife isn't allowed. That would have been a reasonable, I think, compromise. Nobody demonstrated 
that Nick was unfit in any way. Once again, the entire hearing and everything about this custody situation hinged on Sharon. That made no sense to me. <laughs> and besides all of that, let's just put all of that aside. What does Victor know about caring for a toddler? Christian is becoming a little person. He is a little person. I mean, he's his own little personality with needs and hopes and routines that matter to him. Christian's not just an object to be won. I was clen like clenching my chest as Nick <laughs> pretty much tells Victor, hey, Congratulations, you won. Time to collect your prize. So Nick gathers up all of Christian's most important comfort items, his toys, the things that mean the world to this child, gathers them all up and puts them in a box and dumps them right on Victor's table as he's sitting there enjoying his victory gin at the athletic club. <sighs> And Nick just tells everybody right in front. I mean, he wanted to make a scene. He says loudly and passionately in front of everyone that Victor has won, that you've won this round. Here's all of Christian's things. Uh, you know, this is his favorite toy. It's going to get dirty. He slobbers on it. You're going to need to wash it. But don't let him see that. If he sees that, it's going to rock his world. He's going to cry. Here's his favorite bath toy. He likes to take it into the bath, but it's going to get moldy. You need to bleach that out. There are so many <sighs> facets within the life of this child that Victor can't comprehend. And, and Nick is saying, uh, do you want me to write all this down for you? Should I get a, a pencil and a paper so that you can know all this? Are you getting all of this, old man? It's, it, it just, it killed me. It absolutely killed me that Nick was going through losing his son, and in, in essence, he's also losing his father at the same time. Nick said to him, I have forgiven you for so much. I sat by your bedside a month ago and I prayed for you to survive. And now here we are. This is the one that we are not going to come back from. This is the end for you and I. I am going to make sure that I'm going to take everything from you the way you tried to take everything from me, including your family. Oh, especially your family. I'm going to take it all from you, Victor. This is the moment where you begin to lose. <sighs> that speech. <laughs> Josh Morrow. Oh, wow. Just wow. I honest to God don't think I've ever seen Josh Morrow give a better performance. That was Nick better than he has ever been. Whoever wrote that speech must have been tapping into the moment like they were there because it was so well written. And I have a toddler that's probably just a little bit younger than Christian's age. And I'm imagining myself in Nick's shoes and having to hand over my child's entire life to my evil old father. 
it just squeezes at my heart and it turns my stomach. I am at the point now where I don't at all understand Victor, nor can I stand Victor. I'm a Victor fan. I've been an, a Victor apologist for many years and I don't get this. I'm struggling to make make this leap with Victor and so therefore that just makes me fully in support of Nick doing whatever Nick needs to do to not only get his son back but to make sure that Victor pays for this to make sure that Victor hurts for this as much as Victor has hurt him I saw a change in Nick in his entire demeanor. And it was scary. Sharon saw it. And Victor saw it too. Nick tells Sharon, Okay, I know what I need to do. I know who I need to be. Mm, bring it on. Bring it on, Nick, because watching Nick say goodbye to his son as Victor came to Sharon's house with a nanny <laughs> to, correct, to, to collect Christian's little soul. I was dying. Nick had to hand his son over to a nanny after all of this, to a stranger. How can Victor stand himself? Victor says to Nick, sorry, there was no other way. And Nick said, oh, 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 oh. I want you to remember that sentence. Remember those words because you're going to be hearing them again. I think I want Victor to pay for this as much as Nick does. At this point, I wouldn't put it past Victor have, to have timed all of this for Father's Day, just to twist the knife. What other purpose does it serve but to twist the knife? All of this is because Victor wanted to teach Nick a little lesson. This never would have happened. Victor wouldn't have gone through with this if Nick just would have accepted his job offer and continued to play the game like a good little boy. It's putting a child's welfare at stake for revenge. I feel so sorry for the little Christian, too. Did you see him at, um, at Victor's sad sack Father's Day celebration at the athletic club? It just looked lonely and hollow. And little Christian gets brought in. He's probably been dressed by the nanny in some outfit that someone picked out for him that's very stale and very stiff and uh, he, the nanny brings him into this into the scene. I mean, Victor's sitting there with the rest of the family and then the, the nanny brings cr poor little Christian into the scene as if he's a prop. <sighs> when Christian could have been home with Nick and Sharon, and Faith. Faith loves her little brother. She's 
purchased a Father's Day gift for Nick on behalf of little Christian and is looking forward to presenting this to Nick and making it a wonderful day for her father. Christian could have been there in a warm family home, but no, he's at this cold gathering at the athletic club. Nick and Sharon had to give yet another disappointing piece of news for a little faith. And they try to turn things around. You got to give it to them. They tried to put on a happy face for the sake of their daughter. They go to the athletic club, see Victor sitting there in this stale, stiff environment. He's like perched at the head of, like right on his throne at the head of that table. And Nick is not afraid to make a scene. It's like something has snapped in Nick and he is just following the flow of his rage. And he just picked up a wine glass and offers a, 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 a Father's Day toast to his father, Victor Newman, the shining example that he is. It was another applause-worthy scene, I would say, as far as writing and as far as performances go. It really has been breathtaking and I am so completely in support of Nick. He tells Victor that it's only a matter of time. He vows that next Father's Day he will be with Christian. Victor says you shouldn't make promises that you can't guarantee that you'll keep and Nick says oh I guarantee it. I guarantee it. But how? So that leaves us with the question of how. What is Nick going to do? It has to be some kind of information that Nick will uncover that will somehow force Victor's hand. Um, I'm also kind of wondering if there's any possibility that Nick will uncover information not about Victor, but about Nikki. We had the preview of next week's show where Victoria is receiving a mystery phone call. Someone's calling her and they've got their voice disguised using some kind of voice box or something and they're telling her that her secrets will no longer be secrets. So... Is there any chance that maybe Victoria will become afraid and confide in Nick about what happened with JT? And maybe Nick becoming so desperate and so ruthless, maybe he could blackmail Victor with that information uh, in exchange for keeping the family secret? Gee, Arturo sure has had a string of bad luck lately. He got a speeding ticket for going two miles over the speed limit. He got a parking ticket for not turning his wheels correctly when he was parked on a slight incline. Seems like he's getting tickets almost every day now. Seems like maybe someone in a power position has it in for him. 
Abby <laughs> realizes that this is no coincidence. This has Victor Newman's name written all over it. Arturo was sleeping with Victor's wife. He was getting used to being close with Victor Newman's daughter. And thinking back on it, Victor was leering at Abby and Arturo together during the breakup scene at the rooftop bar. And in retrospect, I can almost hear Victor's internal dialogue saying, I'm going to teach that punk a lesson. <laughs> I'm going to teach him a lesson he won't forget. <laughs> and it doesn't end there, either. He's now possibly trying to um, uh, cause Arturo's clients to leave him. All of a sudden, Arturo is losing contracts that should have been solid, and that is the clue to Arturo that something's not right. Maybe he can be getting hounded by the cops, but Arturo seems confident in his business and his capabilities, and it doesn't make sense that clients are dropping him without any kind of reasonable explanation. So, um, he, Abby, he tells Abby, I think that you're right. Something more is going on here. And I don't, I don't know if it was... Lily's pep talk or maybe just seeing Arturo as the underdog or maybe just wanting to piss off her dad or who knows maybe it was all of the drinks that she seems to be enjoying at the rooftop bar all day every day now but Abby uh, tells Arturo that she's sorry about all that and she wants to get back together she decides that she's happier with him Life without him just seems a little more stale, and she was enjoying the ride that they were on together. So they kiss, and they make up, and they promise honesty from here on out. Abby even drags Arturo to Victor's stiff Father's Day dinner at the athletic club. <laughs> Nikki and Victoria's face <laughs> when Abby had Arturo sit down at the table. That was pretty rich. Nikki didn't exactly want to dine at the same table as her husband and her ex-lover, and Victoria, of course, knows all about it, so it was pretty awkward, but Abby sets it up so that Arturo has an opportunity to confront Victor about all of this misfortune that's been going on in his life lately, and Arturo is pretty bold. He tells Victor he knows that Victor's behind it, and he doesn't like it, and Victor doesn't exactly deny it. He doesn't confirm or deny, but he simply tells Arturo that if he hurts Abby, then Arturo's going to find out exactly how powerful and how ruthless Victor can be. So point one, <laughs> Arturo gets point one for confronting Victor, but not going to lie, I have a feeling that Arturo might have been quaking in his boots just a little bit at Victor's threat. Well, I'm sorry to say that our casting news has been confirmed about Michelle Morgan. She is leaving the show. Hillary is 
going to be leaving the show. I'm so disappointed, but it sounds to me like it was her decision. I don't know. I'm going to let you decide. I'll read her quote here. She says, it's with a heavy heart that I announced my departure from YNR. There were many factors that led to this decision, but ultimately five years just felt right to me. Although my adventure as Hillary Curtis is coming to an end, my work on screen is far from over. This may be a goodbye from Hillary, but I'll just say, see you soon. Oh, well, darn it. I mean, you know I'm a Hillary fan, um, but if she has to go, I would like to believe that it was on her terms. I find it hard to believe that YNR wouldn't work really hard to keep her, given how much work has been put into not only the character, but rebuilding the relationship between her and another major character, Devon. What exactly is going to happen to Devon? when the character's gone from the show. I I don't know. I feel that maybe YNR needs to seriously consider a recast. Do you think that that is a possibility, or is that something that you would like to see? I mean, these are going to be some tough pumps to fill, but I'm open to it. How about you? Poll question for the week. Should YNR recast the role of Hillary? YRChat.com. Let's get some conversation going around that this week. It just seems like we've had so much buildup that it would be a shame to just let all that go. Although I know chemistry takes time to build. Maybe YNR can let a little bit of time go by and then recast her. Um, I just don't know what happens to all of these other characters with Hillary gone. It seems that she's so central. So much seems to have been built around her. And then the baby, oh... It is going to be heartbreak on the horizon any way you slice it. Plus... (laughs) Somebody needs to keep this girl Shauna in line. (laughs) We need Hillary to keep this girl on the straight and and, and narrow. I would like to know who exactly is paying Shauna's cell phone bill as she's sitting around billionaire Devon's condo all day, lounging, uh, chit-chatting on the phone, watching soap operas like a slacker. (laughs) Sitting there eating the chocolate-covered strawberries that Hillary bought special for Devon so that they could have a thank you dinner? This girl's coming off as ungrateful to me, or she's just unaware. I'm sure she's just an unaware teenager. Teens think they are the center of the universe, and that's definitely what I'm getting from Shauna. And Hillary was kind of getting that vibe, too. The Shauna arrangement was starting to get as much on Hillary's nerves as it was on mine. Hillary loves this girl, wants to help her, but she also wants to help herself to Devon. We are in the middle of a reunion here, and the girl is kind of cramping Hillary's style. Hillary can't even get a moment alone with Devon. (laughs) Hillary ended up (laughs) resorting to trying to pawn Shauna off on Phyllis or Summer or anybody who would take this girl out of the house for a day. (laughs) 
And Shauna was starting to pick up on that vibe. She started to get it right at around that point. She uh, was unknowingly causing Hillary some stress, felt terrible about it, and they talked it through. Hillary admits, look, I may have bit off a little more than I could chew here for reasons that are not even entirely about Shauna. Maybe I wanted to help you out just to stick it to Lily a little bit or show her that I could do it. So there was a lot going into the decision that Hillary made in taking Shauna in. And it doesn't take away from the fact that she cares about her, but Hillary does come to the realization that she needs to do a better job of asking for space when she needs it. Feeling bad about all of this and wanting to do for Hillary what Hillary's done for her, Shauna enlists Charlie's help and they cook and serve up a special dinner for Hillary and Devon to create the romantic moment and then they hit the road as they should. Just uh, get out <laughs> so that Hillary and Devon can have their romantic evening of food and and dancing, and kissing, and ultimately running up those stairs to rip each other's clothes off. <laughs> Fine by me. <laughs> oh, I'm going to miss those two, I have to admit. Well, the next morning, Hillary and Devon are basking in what seems like an official, official reunion this time. Now they are together in every single way. They're both committed to their relationship with each other as well as the family that they're trying to build. They even announce to the rest of the family that they are back together. And that announcement was met with some lukewarm enthusiasm. I almost would have expected Lily to throw some snark in Hillary's direction, but she really didn't do that. I guess YNR is trying to downplay the rivalry between Hillary and Lily because I'm thinking Lily might be having her hands full with a bigger problem soon. During the first part of Friday's episode, Hillary was telling Shauna that she doesn't exactly want to condone the get pregnant and have a baby first part and then develop the relationship later route that, uh, that Hillary has decided to take and that Shauna has had a front row seat to see. Hillary doesn't want Shauna to think it's okay to just run out and get pregnant and assume that the fairy tale and the relationship and all of that is going to come later. Well, then in the second part of Friday's episode, Charlie and Shauna are sneaking out away from the Father's Day gathering to have a private makeout session. <laughs> go, 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 go. I mean, the two teens do seem to be taking it slow for now. <laughs> Lily catches them and puts a stop to the good time train. But come on, they're teenagers. It's only a matter of time. Billy 
is very uncomfortable with having a scantily clad young woman lounging around in the apartment that he lives in, he maturely tries to ask Summer to put some clothes on. Billy tried to approach it appropriately. He tried to be a peacemaker when it came to Summer and Phyllis. So far, Billy has done nothing but be a good guy, but all it really did was reveal a vulnerability that he has to Summer, and Summer pounces on it. The fact that Billy has mentioned her clothing gives her a little green light to start to poke at him a little bit and start to find out where that vulnerability is. And she says to him, oh, you, you, you seem to be noticing my clothing. You seem to be very concerned about what I'm wearing. Um, you're attracted to me. You think that I don't see you looking at me, but I do. I do see you looking at me, and I'm not going to stop talking about this. I'm not going to stop mentioning this. I'm not going to stop pushing your buttons. And if you decide to say a word about any of this to my mom, I'm going to make it look like it was all you. Oh, what a little vixen. What a devious little vixen. Phyllis has no idea who her daughter has become. Phyllis is still trying to parent Summer, but Phyllis, is she's coming a little late to the parenting game, isn't she? She's She sits Summer down, and she tries to talk to her to answer a lot of the questions that we chatters were asking about Summer last week in this very stark personality change. Phyllis says, you know, you're almost unrecognizable. And Summer says... Yeah, it's by choice. I'm kind of tired of being a doormat. I didn't like that version of myself, and so I changed it. <sighs> you got to give her that. It wasn't an accident. She's acting this way by choice. This is just who she's become. And I empathize with Phyllis. I really do. Because we've been talking a lot about the younger version of Phyllis and seeing Summer as that. And I'm thinking back to the very first iterations of Phyllis Summers as she was trapping Danny into believing that he was Daniel's father, all to hang on to him. And Phyllis even made reference to the fact that she was a, a Danny's groupie back in the day. I, I mean, you, you almost really had to be there to see and understand what a baddie Phyllis was when she first came onto the show. I remember having some trouble even watching her because it was so, so bad and so, so desperate and so, so devious. Phyllis was very much using her sexuality to get what she wanted and not just from Danny, but from other men. Uh, so it, it, it was a good moment where Phyllis sat down with Hillary and said she is starting to see a little bit 
of herself in summer. And it's alarming. It's also alarming to almost feel like you've time traveled. She's talking to Summer, and it's almost like she's looking at this younger version of herself that's coming back at her, telling her that everything she knows and has learned as an adult is wrong. I'm sure that is a trip. Once your children reach that age, I'm sure it is a trip. (laughs) But it's something that Phyllis wants to correct. It's a behavior that she wants to save Summer from. Uh, She even attempts to uh, reach out to Kyle. I mean, every time that Phyllis has tried to talk to Summer herself or create a moment to bond with Summer herself, it's failed completely. So reaching out to Kyle is Phyllis's attempt to find someone Summer's own age who might be able to be a good (laughs) influence on her. Who knew that that would be Kyle, especially thinking about the version of Kyle that came onto the show just a month or two ago. He himself was quite a baddie, and now he's turned the page a little bit. Kyle says no thanks <laughs> to Phyllis's request, but at the same time, don't you guys think that fu- that Kyle seems to be having a little bit of a difficult time keeping his eyes off of Summer? Every time she's in the room, he's definitely side-eyeing her, and then... He sees her sitting at the athletic club alone at a table, and he walks up to her, and he does have a conversation. She invites him to sit down, and they did talk for about five minutes before Summer ended up touching a sore spot, which seems to be her specialty, finding and touching sore spots. She finds a sore spot about the whole Blood Abbott situation, and Kyle gets offended, and he scurries off. But there was something about that conversation, though. I'm not going to lie. Last week at this time, I would not have said this, but I sensed a bit of a spark between Summer and Kyle. And I'm not hating it. I am not (laughs) hating it. I got to see more of Kyle. When he came into Billy's office early in the week to request a little bit of a reward for a job well done with the birthday suit scandal that made Jabot a lot of money. He walks into his office and uh, lifts up his shirt and shows Billy a new hashtag. It's hashtag bonus time question mark. (laughs) Kyle would like a little bonus. I think I'd like a little bit of more of a Kyle bonus too. At this point, Summer needs some directions. She needs something to do besides lounge around at the pool all day, all summer long. She's broke, and she doesn't want to admit it. She's gone to Phyllis for money, and Phyllis doesn't want to just hand out cash. Typically, people get jobs and work for their money. But Summer slyly, secretly goes to Billy to get some cash to further her little lifestyle. And the whole thing, the whole can I have some cash with Billy, seemed to have this really subtle air of give me some money and I won't make any trouble for you. Right? It was really unsettling. I think Billy knows that he could be in some trouble. I I really do. I think he's starting to sense that there's a crisis on the horizon and he is walking a tight line. Uh, And and he's also taking an enormous risk by 
not cueing Phyllis in to Summer's behavior and the interactions that he's had with her. Why? Why doesn't he tell Phyllis about that? It's only going to get worse. Phyllis or excuse me, Summer asked Billy for a job and he refused to give her a job. He doesn't want to be around her. This is this is dangerous. This is a, a powder keg. And Summer just goes and gets a job at Fenmore's. Instead, she's easily going to be in close proximity to Billy to continue on with this almost sexual harassment kind of thing like this bizarre blackmail game that she's playing with him do what I want and I won't make it look like you're coming on to me so again I ask why doesn't Billy confide in Phyllis why doesn't Billy trust that Phyllis would trust him is it because he has a guilty conscience was what Summer was picking up on from Billy real? Was Billy really looking at her? Is Summer right? Is Billy finding himself attracted to her? And is he tempted by her flirtation? It seems that maybe the only person in town who appreciates this new version of Summer is Jack. Summer and Jack sat down and they had a brief but kind of meaningful and interesting heart-to-heart. It seems like that was the conversation that really inspired Jack to change his direction. Summer was talking about her reinvention and Jack was realizing that maybe he needs to do a little bit of that himself. Jack realizes that his journey does not need to be about just founding another company and creating another financial distraction for himself. His journey is going to need to be finding out who he is, and in order to do that, he feels that he needs to find out who his biological father is. And not only that, but there seems to be a sense of Jack wanting to know if he could even have other relatives who are out there. Um, (sighs) This is a tough one. The other um, major player in Jack's decision-making here has been Neil. Neil has been a sounding board for Jack through all of this. He's given him a friend, someone to talk to, and a place to sift through some boxes. Neil (laughs) ended up, Jack's just spending a lot of time at Neil's place lately. Uh, I suppose it's preferable to being at the athletic club, but Neil ends up finding a bunch of boxes at Hamilton Winters that were among Dina's belongings from when she sold the company to them. So Neil brings Jack these boxes and Jack is rifling through it looking for some answers. There was an ominous line that Neil said to Jack, though, that it's bothering me a little bit. Neil tells Jack that you can go ahead and go through those boxes, but you might end up wishing that you didn't. (laughs) 
You might wish that you had kept all of this tucked away. Uh, you might end up finding out that Victor Newman is your father. <laughs> Now, I don't know if that was meant to be a joke because Jack said, you know what, I already thought of that. I already ran the numbers on that and it's pretty much impossible. I hope that that was just meant to be a play on the audience's expectation and not another potential preview. I mean, Wyanard did that twice where they implied that Victor could be Jack's father. I hope they're just playing with us. And if that's the case, it's a little bit funny. But if not, I'm still worried because, I mean, for crying out loud, even if Jack ran the numbers and there's no way that Victor could be his father, it doesn't mean that there's not a path that could lead to Victor and Jack being brothers. Jack finds Dina's diary amongst all of these other papers in the box and he opens it up and he begins to read it. He, he's reading Dina's words and he finds passages where she's talking all about her first encounters with this mystery man who could be Jack's father. Dean is talking about the fact that it wasn't just a sexual affair. It was more. There was love. There was romance here. She talks about the way that the man made her feel. She talks about their first kiss and the secret meetings that they had together at the motel. And just as Jack is getting to the good parts where it seems like she's getting ready to reveal who the man was, Jack flips the page and discovers that those key pages are ripped out. Oh, well, I mean, you know, you wouldn't want the answer to be there that easily. Where's the story if the pages are just right there? Uh, but my question is, did Dina rip them out to maintain her privacy and maybe just hold on to those pages as a keepsake? Or did somebody else get to them? I don't know. Kyle is at the mansion keeping an eye on Dina when Jack shows up uh, for, uh, I suppose, a Father's Day. Hello. Jack has encountered Dina, who has just finished coloring a Father's Day card for her daddy. And she's regressed at this point, and she's saying, do you know when my daddy will be home? I want to give him this card. Rip my heart out, why don't you? It's just painful, painful. Jack also then opens up the card and sees what Dina has written, and it's in a childlike handwriting. There are words that are crossed out and rewritten, and the whole thing, I think, is even in crayon. And Dina is in the card pleading with her father to not leave the family. I know you left the family because of me, but if you come back, I'll be a good girl. Me, me. <laughs> mm. 
I don't know why YNR has to go there. I, I, I no, I think I do. Uh, I think YNR is trying to create a moment of understanding and empathy for Dina because getting a little bit of backstory on her family and maybe what was done to her being abandoned gives a little bit of an explanation as to why she would do the same with her family abandoning. I think maybe I'm just being a jaded old fan here, but but I'm going to go with it for a moment. I just, I want to complain a little bit because I feel like the writers were just trying to whip up some quick sympathy for Dina by doing that. Like, so that we don't hate her for abandoning her family and lying about the paternity of two of her children. (laughs) Oh... Fine. (laughs) Fine then. I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to try to go with it. When Dina leaves the room, Jack and and Kyle have a chance to bond. It was excellent. And Kyle tells Jack that he wants to help him find his biological father. So Jack agrees. He fills Kyle in all about the diary and the missing pages, and they both realize that maybe those pages could be being kept by G- by Dina inside of that little mystery box that she has, the circular hat box that she's so very protective of and doesn't want anybody looking in. And we know as the audience that that's where she kept that motel key as a memento. So Kyle distracts Dina while Jack (laughs) runs upstairs, grabs her secret box, brings it back down to the living room and starts pilfering through it. He barely had a chance to even look at anything in there before Dina bumbled into the room and caught him. Nice job on lookout, Kyle. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks a lot. Of course, Dina gets really upset about it and she yanks the box away from Jack but apparently Jack was able to swipe a different key from the bottom of the box and in the previews for next week we see Jack and Kyle standing I think at a like a bank in front of a wall of safety deposit boxes and Jack is holding a piece of paper that says or that somehow leads him to believe that Philip Chancellor could be his father. Just like We Chatters predicted a month ago. So, like, what? Was Dina having an affair with Catherine's husband on top of all this? Is that why they're trying to whip up sympathy for her so much right now? Because on top of the fact that she abandoned her family, left them for decades, and then lied about the paternity of two of her children, she was also having an affair with one of her best friend's husbands. (laughs) Oh, man. Philip Chancellor. Okay, well, I mean, I'm not altogether opposed to the idea that Jack would be a chancellor, but what's the point? Philip's been dead for so long. It's not like 
he can come onto the show and bond with Jack. It's not like there are any other children that Philip had that we know of who could be related to Jack. So what's the point? I mean, maybe Jack could inherit Chancellor Industries at the end of all this, but so what? Is that very exciting? At the end of the day, Billy has done his due diligence in trying to navigate the rough waters at home. He's done a very good job of trying to be the mediator between Phyllis and Summer and what could become something really, really bad. Uh, he's talking to Summer about feeling like he's in the middle of these two women, and he just says to her, you know what? I'm Switzerland. <laughs> Consider me Switzerland. I'm neutral on all of this. I'm not getting into the middle of the mess. Well, we'll see how long that lasts. Last week's Who Said It quote was, I'm Switzerland. The answer was Billy, and a lot of you got it right. So I am going to speed through our winners this week, but know that this is a hearty congratulations going out to you. T. Nicole, Sandra, Nancy, Henry, Sheila, Nathalie, Michelle, Heather, Consuela, Anna, Zoperplex, Tanya, Gina, Ellen, Laura, Astra, Shakona, and Joanne. <laughs> Congratulations. Can you do it again? I like this quote quite a bit. You tell me if you know who said it. I can't remember when I felt more like a loser. I can't remember when I felt more like a loser. If you think you know why rchat.com is the place to leave your guess, and if you get it right, then you will also get your shout out on next week's Why in Our Chat. Cheyenne says, I was so excited about the Hillary and Devon reunion, but now I can't be because of the impending exit of Michelle Morgan. I know, Cheyenne, I know how much you loved Hillary and Devon, and I sure loved him too. The problem for Hillary and Devon fan, uh, fans, on top of the fact that Michelle's leaving, is that it does kind of put a damper on the ability to enjoy their reunion when you know that it's going to be short-lived. And after all of this time, too, all of this time spent for these two to get back together, and this, the, literally the week that they do get back together, we find out that she's leaving the show. I hope that however they write her exit, that it leaves the door open for a possible return or recast. I don't want to see her losing the baby. I think this has been, it's been a couple, Hillary and Devon, that a lot of people have either loved or hated, but I think that YNR at least owes it to the people who loved Hillary and Devon to give them somewhat of an understandable ending. I mean, we know that it's not going to be happy ending if they're not going to be together, but at least I hope that they write it so that it makes sense and that it does justice to both the character, the couple, and the fans. Shakona says, 
And the award for the worst dad ever goes to Victor Newman. That man is so twisted, and I know somewhere in his sick mind, he feels justified in what he's doing to his son. That's the key, Shakona, is the fact that Victor does feel justified. You can bet on it. He thinks he's right in his own mind, and I don't understand why or how. To me, this is why in our not doing a good enough job of telling Victor's side of this story. It makes no sense to me. Consuela says Nikki's whole reaction to Victor's actions is ticking me off. Like when Nick showed up at the GCAC, she didn't have anything to say. She's just going along with Victor like she could care less. She didn't even try to console Nick. That's exactly what I was saying last week, Consuela. It's like, who is this Nikki (laughs) on top of who is this Victor? And here's a great comment from Kyle who says, I wish Abby and Victoria, especially Victoria, had been more outspoken at the athletic club lunch over Vic Victor taking Christian from Nicholas. Maybe it will come later, but they should have been totally enraged and stormed out. What's with the mild temperaments in GC? I like also, Kyle, that you said, especially Victoria. Victoria just got screwed over by Victor when he appointed Nick over her, and now she's just back at work, toiling away, making Victor some more money, and then she's going to stand idly by while Victor takes one of Nick's children? I mean, Katie is Victoria's biological daughter, I believe, but I don't think... One of those children, Katie or Johnny, yeah, Johnny's not... Victoria's biological son. So shouldn't Victoria be thinking, crap, what if Victor were to do the same thing to me? Victoria should be standing by her brother. I can maybe understand why Abby is not as bonded to Nick, but Victoria should be there for him. Victoria should be outraged, and she just wasn't. (sighs) Ryan says, it still bothers me that Sharon is always the loser in these storylines like this. And Victor's always the winner. It's time the writers change things up and let Sharon be the winner for once. I think it's not even just Sharon. It's that Victor's always the winner. If it was the rivalry between Victor and Jack, Jack's always the loser. It's just that Victor's always victorious. (laughs) And I like the strength of Victor, again, I know it doesn't seem like it this week, but I really appreciate and lo- have loved the Victor's character over the years. And I think this is part of the reason why it's so difficult for me to swallow what he's doing right now. You know, Eric Braden's not going to be around forever. Why are they leaving a bad taste in the viewers' mouths now. I mean, can we not just let Victor be a little devious but loving? Can we not see some lovingness out of him at this stage in his life and in the character's life span on the show? Leslie says, why is Sharon being deposed 
and not Nikki with the alcoholism and more in her past? That's a darn good question, Leslie. Why Sharon? Why did it become all about Sharon? Well, because it was clearly just meant as a plot device to rip Christian away from Nick, and it's not really very character-driven, is it? If everybody's going, if all the fans are going, hey, how come so-and-so's acting like this and nobody's doing anything about it? Then it's because, (laughs) then the problem is that it's not a character-driven story. It doesn't make sense what Victor's doing, or Nikki, or uh, Victoria, or Abby, or anybody else. Oh, I'm just complaining now. (laughs) Let's get this perspective from Kiki, because Kiki says, I think the reason the judge sided with Victor and not Nick was not Sharon's mental health, but her past interactions with Christian. The look on the judge's face when Sharon admitted to taking her meds and being in a healthy place with her disorder and knowingly keeping Christian from Nick. That's why she placed Christian with Victor. Excellent, excellent point, Kiki. I think you're probably right about that. But again, my only counter to that is I wish that the judge would have said, okay, fine, Nick, you can keep your son. You're obviously a loving father, but keep your crazy ex-wife away from him. That seemed like it would have been a logical compromise. Laura says, cannot wait to see how Nick's new personality will present itself. He will never not have a sweetheart. So combine that with an edge, exciting. Yeah, I know, I know, Laura, I'm into Nick right now. I think that Josh Morrow is really digging deep and he's he's giving us good performances here. And, and those speeches are well written too. So I can complain about the character driven, uh, the, 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 the void of character rich story when it comes to the other characters but that is what's fueling the wonderful speeches and the passion and everything that we're getting from Nick the fact that it's so unfair toward his character is probably what's really drawing us into him and those those moments so everything has a, a cause and effect Nathalie says, I just hope that Nick is going to stay the same generous and kind man that he is and that he's not going to lose himself in the process of this rivalry. Yes, I agree. Uh, If they can get a good balance going on Nick good-hearted but with an edge, that's a whole new Nick. That's a whole new era of Nick that I'm in for seeing. Daisy says, to me, Victor taking Christian is Nick's fault. He's allowing Sharon to claim Christian as her son. So I don't blame Victor for trying to keep her away from him. Sharon chased Sage down the road with children in her car. And knowing that happened will be bad enough. But knowing that that happened would be bad enough. But rewarding Sharon with raising Christian after causing his mother so much pain will likely adversely affect the child when he's older. (sighs) Hmm. Well, I... Let me think here. Mm, I do think it's odd that there was the moment where Nick was telling Sharon that she's Christian's mom. 
Nick did definitely present Chelsea as Christian's mom, but at least that had some time in the relationship to build up. I do have to concede that Nick did plop Christian down in that household and over the span of a month, now Sharon is mom. That's a little bit odd. But as far as the Sage stuff goes, I really liked Sage, and, and I, I agree. I, I still really, really liked that character, and it wasn't right what Sharon did. At the same time, I think I have a tendency to stick really closely in the presence of the storylines. Just me as a person, I think I tend to... Um, allow past characters and past stories to kind of float away so that I can enjoy the present moment. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if I do think back to Sage and everything that she went through, I can see um, that that perspective, perhaps, of Victor's a little bit easier. I think, though, that the writers aren't doing a good enough job of bringing that in, then, if it's the case. The writers should be having Victor talk about Sage and talk about Sharon, and nobody's really saying that. It, it, we as fans shouldn't have to look so hard to understand why a character is doing what they're doing. Gary um, says, <laughs> I was wondering this too, is Eric Braden actually aging, or is he still doing the whole recovery shtick? Hasn't Mal told him to just forget about it and drop it by now? Well, I've was wondering that too, Gary. It, Victor seems physically a little feeble, and I don't know if that is Victor uh, as the character still going through his recovery, or if Eric Braden is maybe struggling with something. It seems like he's having trouble talking, he's having trouble walking. You could tell also in the scene where Victor carried Christian in his arms into the Father's Day event, that that was a little bit of a struggle. And I don't know if that's an acting choice or if Eric Braden is maybe not doing very well. That's a good question. Does anybody know the answer to that? And if it is just Victor, I'm kind of right. We should move on from that. <laughs> I have a feeling it's acting. I'm going to at least give Eric Braden credit for that, knowing that Victor had been through something uh, life-threatening. Uh, Let's see. Let's switch over to talking about Abby here. Kiki also says, Abby needs to sign up to see Victoria's therapist. She was uncomfortable with the fact that Arturo had slept with Nikki, which was why she was just going to be friends with him. And then after one talk with Lily, she's back in his face again and probably going to give him another chance. Abby needs a guy who has not slept with her stepmom or her niece. I like Summer more than I like Abby, Kiki says. Shakona says, I am still not buying Arturo's act, Allie. He is just telling both women exactly what they want to hear, and I am still convinced that he knows all about JT's final resting place and is keeping that knowledge in his back pocket for future reference. Well, so there you go. Those are two really good comments. Uh, maybe thinking that Arturo's not quite a nice guy. I was giving him lots of love last week, <laughs> saying that I believed he was on the up and up, but um, maybe not. Kiki says she doesn't think so and Shakona has an interesting prediction that maybe Arturo could could be the one behind 
I mean, I'm kind of inferring there, but maybe that Arturo could be the one behind Victoria's mystery phone call. Hmm, I know, if if Arturo is on the up and up and up, again, it's not all that exciting. And we all know that there's always got to be some kind of secondary character fall guy. And we don't know who's making that call. So good, good prediction. I'm going to give you that one, Shakona. That could, let, let's keep an eye on Arturo. You never know. Here's another interesting prediction uh, from Justin. Justin says, Arturo was very quick to assume that Victor was the one behind his streak of misfortune. But I have a theory that maybe Y&R is heading into a racial profile storyline. Mal Young has done some heavy-hitting storylines in the past. Maybe this could be another controversial one on his list. It would be a bold move, but I would be interested in watching that. I never would have picked up on that, but it is certainly possible. I think Arturo's just such a blank slate at this point. We don't really know what we're getting from him. We don't really know where the writers are taking him, but they need to maybe give us some hints, <laughs> give us some clues here soon. Well, let's talk about last week's poll question. I asked you if you are into Summer's scandalous return to Genoa City. The majority of you guys are just not feeling Summer. Straight up said, no, don't like her. I've had enough already. <laughs> 38% of you in for the drama. I'm a little surprised by that because I'm into I'm into the summer story not that I condone her actions in any way shape or form but even maybe tying back into what Justin was saying Mal Young does seem to like to push the envelope a little bit I think that's what he's doing with summer and if it's well done I think it could be very fun uh, and juicy to watch this summer I mean I like storylines that give us something a little different to talk about and summer's giving me that so I was a little bit surprised um, that you guys aren't liking her as much I'll, maybe maybe that'll change who knows we weren't liking Kyle <laughs> a month ago and now a lot of us seem to have turned so it's possible to turn a character and and uh, maybe that's where it's headed. Tony says, YNR wrote Summer to be annoying because she's not staying long. Uh, if, if she were to be as we remembered her, they would need to write her into some current stories with depth and relationships. That's an interesting point, Tony. Is Hunter King only on the show temporarily? I know that she is on... Life in Pieces, I believe, also on CBS. Is she only doing a brief stint on YNR? But they worked her into the intro at the beginning of the show, so that made me think maybe she was back on full contract, but I don't really know those details of how long of a contract uh, length she had signed. If anybody knows, let, uh, please leave me a comment and tell me. Uh, Laura says, The sympathetic summer that we saw with Jack... That showed the kind of depth of character that we're looking for. Yes, that scene with Summer and Jack was interesting. She was stripping away some of that brash behavior, some of her sexuality overtone oozing. <laughs> she just didn't try to play that card with Jack at all. Summer seemed very real with him, and I agree, that was a little bit of a window into telling us that there's something more about Summer <laughs> beyond her sexuality oozing overtones. 
Liz says thank you, YNR, for giving us a believable backstory as to why Summer has undergone a 180-degree personality change. I thought the writers were going to try to pull the wool over our eyes and try to make us believe that Summer had always believed in or behaved in this manner, but... Her explanation is totally plausible. She's been burned repeatedly by men in her life, and she didn't even know who her real father was. She's tired of being hurt, tired of being a victim, so she's donned the armor of a shallow party girl who doesn't care about anything or anyone, and that way she can fool herself into thinking she won't get hurt. That's a great analysis, Liz. Ryan says... I gotta say, I'm loving this new and improved Summer. Yeah, she's a brat, but she's so much more watchable than she was before. All she ever did was cry. Also, the stories they were giving her weren't suitable for her age. This is great. I can totally buy into the whole spoiled party girl princess thing because let's face it, she's Victor Newman's granddaughter with a ton of money and privilege. It makes sense that she would be this way. Wasn't it funny, Ryan, too, when Summer was having that scene with Phyllis and she mentioned the fact that all she ever did was cry? I think that that was a criticism that the fans had made uh, about the character. So it was interesting to see that addressed a little bit in the writing. And yeah, I am kind of buying the change, too. I agree with you guys. Consuela says, I feel so wrong for saying this, especially since Summer has been getting on my nerves a bit. But I think that she and Billy could be hot if it weren't for the fact that Billy is dating Summer's mom. Or sorry, Billy is dating Summer's mom. I mean, I think aesthetically they would be sexy together. The older sexy gentleman with the hot young vixen. Ooh, Consuela, that's probably going to be a controversial comment this week. But I mean, I... I mean, they are both very attractive. I mean, if you removed Phyllis from the situation, let's just take it, you know, I think that's what Consuela means. If you remove Phyllis from the situation, Summer and Billy could possibly have some chemistry. I mean, we're talking a lot about Phyllis and her younger version, and and Billy is attracted to Phyllis, so maybe Billy sees Phyllis as this sexy, younger, more exciting version of Phyllis, the woman who he loves. Ooh, see that? I think it's good. I think it's good story. There's stuff to pick apart and analyze in there that I like. Karen says, I have a feeling that Kyle is going to end up being a Newman, only to find out after he and Summer maybe get back together. Well, okay, so if Kyle's a Newman, so do you you think that... um, Maybe Kyle's going to find out that Jack's not his dad? Or do you think that Jack is going to find out he's connected to Victor and then that makes Kyle connected to Victor and then Kyle and Summer will have that little bit of um, incestuousness going on? We did that a little bit ago. One of the past iterations of Kyle, Summer and Kyle did find out that they were potentially related and they had to pull back on their relationship. So I don't know. It's possible they could kind of go back there. Ellen says, oh, uh, shouldn't Jack at least mention chemo on Father's Day? (laughs) Does Kyle even know he has a half-brother? You know, it's almost as if, Ellen, that story has been completely erased from Jack's 
history, from his character's history, from the show. Chemo just didn't exist. I read somewhere one time that Peter Bergman did not love that storyline. He, um, Weiner went back in time and said that while Jack was spending his military career in Vietnam, he fell in love with a Vietnamese woman and had a child, and the Vietnamese woman and the child came into Genoa City, came into Jack's life. I did read that Peter Bergman didn't love that story, so I don't know if that's why they don't acknowledge it, but I loved the story, and I remembered it, and I remember Chemo and Lon, who died tragically and young. Oh, I don't know. I don't know why they just ignore it. Jamie says, I have to say, I'm fully on board for Kyle now. I'm looking forward to the reconciliation of these two and actually seeing a healthy parent-child relationship. Isn't it funny how we were kind of hating Kyle at first, and now all of a sudden, he's awesome. I love his interactions with Jack. They were really funny together, especially the line where Kyle was trying to give Jack a pep talk, and he said, you know, you always seem to come out on the other side of whatever you've been through with all that hair intact. Great line, great delivery. Love Kyle's interactions with Jack. Love Kyle's interactions with Summer, with Mariah, with Phyllis, with everybody he comes into contact with. I think this actor is a gem. I think he is going to continue to surprise and intrigue us. Um, and then we'll probably lose him. <laughs> He'll probably go to prime time. So don't get too comfortable. Zoberplex says... According to what we have learned from next week's previews, A, Philip Chancellor cannot be Jack's biological father, because by blurting out his name in the preview, you can be sure this is a ruse, since revealing his identity beforehand defeats the purpose of keeping us in suspense. And B, apparently JT is capable of performing some supernatural feats of strength, given the fact that he survived being buried alive. I am, of course, assuming that he was the one who called Victoria, letting her know that her secret is out. Well, I have to um, <laughs> comment on the, the Philip Chancellor things, Oberplex, because I think you're probably right. I just, something about it... The fact that they revealed it in that preview makes me think that, again, Weiner's just toying with us in the way that they were toying with us about uh, Jack's nightmare that Victor could potentially be his father. So I, I think there's a little more to go on that journey. And um, let's see. Also about JT... Gary left a comment saying, I happen to be visiting the YNR chat site this evening, and I noticed that you as well made a big fuss over the Chancellor Park new rose gardens. I couldn't help noticing that myself, and I wanted to ask, is that where JT is buried? Is that where he is, his final resting place? <laughs> uh, and a spoiler for next week, Gary says Victoria is going to be getting haunted, supposedly by JT, but... Is he haunting her from beyond the grave or in the room next door? Okay, two things I have to mention about that. Uh, the Rose Garden, beautiful, wasn't it? I got a gorgeous screen cap there up at the website if you'd like to see it. Um, and, and to Gary's question, 
is that where JT's buried? I kind of think so. I thought that they were supposed to grow a vegetable garden over that exact spot, but I do think that Sharon had an uncomfortable moment when they arrived at the Rose Garden where she asked Nick if he wouldn't rather be somewhere else, and that leads me to believe that that is what ended up coming uh, up over the JT burial site. So I'm going to guess yes on that. And also to Gary's point about JT's haunting, because I hadn't thought of it that way before. When I saw the preview that someone was calling Victoria, I assumed it was someone maybe gaslighting her or that, that, that there was someone alive who was making the call. And that could be, uh, who knows, Arturo. It could be JT still alive. But I like this comment from Gary because it made me think, is there any chance that that phone call that Victoria received didn't really happen. Is there any chance that all of this could just be in Victoria's mind? Oh, there are so many questions still left to be answered. That's why I watch week after week. <laughs> uh, and I hope that you guys come back next week to watch the show. YRChat.com is the website. Lots of photos, lots of games. You can leave your comments, interact with each other there. Again, YRChat.com. And I will be back next Sunday to give you my thoughts and feelings and chats about our show. Everybody have a good week. I love you and I'll see you next time. Bye!